The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perrow columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Another interesting one today, not really in the Explorer category, but one that taps into the world's rethink on uh, supply chains, particularly of critical metals post uh, some major geopolitical events and the need to uh, onshore uh, supplies of these critical metals. We're talking, in this case, we're talking about titanium minerals, rare earths, and uh, titanium metal, and we're talking about uh, made in America, the US. The company is Hyperion X, used to be known as Hyperion Metals, but now goes by the name of Hyperion X. Uh, Recently joined the NASDAQ too, so nice to have an ASX NASDAQ uh, dual-listed company with us. The code is IPX, last traded at $1.02 for a market cap of $143 We have the MD and CEO and co-founder, Tazo Arima with us today to bring us up to speed with what's a fast developing story in the US for the company. So with that, I'll welcome Tazo to the call. G'day, Tazo. Hi, Barry. How are you going? Nice to be back on the show after a little bit of time. Uh, apologies for calling it an Explorers podcast because you guys are not really Explorers. You've been advancing uh, on two fronts. Um, it might be a little bit complex for some, but if we break it down into you've got the, a mining operation uh, potential mining operation in uh, West Tennessee near Nashville, uh, which is your uh, resource base, I guess. But then beyond that, then you have this uh, metals uh, strategy. So let's focus first on the uh, the Titan project in West Tennessee, where you've uh, recently put out a scoping study. So give us a feel for what the findings from that were. Yeah, absolutely. So the Titan project for us, uh, our strategy is simple, but it is a little bit of a complex story. But uh, it boils down to us wanting to reshore the titanium metal supply chain in America. And to do that, you need the minerals in the ground, as we know, uh, out of Australia. I grew up in Australia, but I live in the United States now. But you also then need the titanium metal processing. And that's what we have in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and we're expanding that as we speak. But on the uh, titanium minerals front, we have our Titan project. It's an amazing project located between Nashville and Memphis, so not too far outside of Nashville to the west of it. Uh, and uh, we had already defined a very large chalk resource, uh, which is the largest titanium mineral resource in North America today. And it has a significant endowment of the rare earth mineral monazite and xenotype. So we completed the scoping study, as you said, not long ago, probably two months now since we released that to the market or even less. Uh, and what that showed was quite a large operation, about, about 10 million tons per annum of uh, traditional heavy mineral sands mine. Uh, approximately 3% of heavy minerals in there, producing what would be around 100,000 tons of ilmenite, 25,000 tons of zircon, 20,000 tons of rutil, uh, and about four to 5,000 tons per annum of the monazite xenotime minerals. Uh, has an MPV from that scoping study of around 700 million, uh, and uh, our average EBITDA is around US 117 
million per annum. So a really good project uh, in and of itself. So let's think of that as the founda- foundational asset for this uh, reshoring of titanium and rare earths uh, production in America. So how, how will that uh, how will that work and uh, what are the technology uh, uh, advantages that the company's approaching this task with? Absolutely. So it is a foundational asset. Um, as we know and as the automo- automotive market is uh, learning uh, too well and suffering from today without having the minerals in the ground then you know you can build all these gigafactories but if you don't have the lithium to uh, feed into those gigafactories you're going to be short the lithium and the other critical materials so for us the titan project is a foundation of future potential titanium minerals that we can feed into our titanium metal manufacturing process uh, we're a little bit different though and we're a little bit advantaged on the processing front uh, the process technology that we're scaling was developed uh from funding from the Department of Energy uh, and developed by Dr. Zach Fong out of the University of Utah. And it allows us not to only process titanium minerals, but to process titanium metal scrap. And right now, we're one of the only companies in the world which can do take a 100% scrap pile and process that into titanium metal uh, and actually into titanium metal powders for what is low cost, but also uh, for what would be a more sustainable approach to the way we do it as well. Zero carbon zero carbon process and be able to do it right off all of uh, renewable energy. So the Titan project is important for the future scale up, but we're lucky in that today we can scale on scrap in the short term and actually make uh, significant revenue, we think, uh, in the coming years. Talk a bit about the titanium um, market uh, in the US. Um, I guess like Europe, uh, the US is pretty much reliant on China for supplies. Yes, absolutely. So the Europe is reliant heavily on uh, on Russia. Titanium metal manufacturing from the mineral was produced out of um, both Russia and China and Russia for the aerospace grade uh, metal. Uh, and then the States as well um, was reliant on uh, Russian supplies of titanium metal. The Chinese are fast building their capacity. Um, they're 50% of the global market today. They've got less or minimal aerospace grade, but they will have in the, in the near future. Um, it's just natural that they will be. But this, this issue is that America has no take in the mineral and refining it into the metal capacity anymore. So that's a huge issue when you consider that titanium metal is critical to most of the defense platforms, as they say here, most of the defense uh, you know, jets and tanks and artillery and stuff like that. Uh, so you know, to, to, to not have it manufactured in America and have China and, Japan, uh, China and Russia really control their supply chain globally uh, is, a, is a bad situation to be in. So at this point, has the company received any sort of uh, US government, uh, Department of Defence uh, support for the projects or the plants? So this is a Department of Energy funded technology. There was um, you know, over $10 million come in, mainly from the Department of Energy. Uh, the technology did win an award from a U.S. Army X, I believe it's called XSEC 2018 award for you know a, a, a technology that's um, that's up and coming. Back then, uh, we've been talking a lot to the Department of Defense, of course, across all branches um, of the military. Uh, we have a publicly announced um, uh, project going on right now where we're qualifying our titanium metal powders for U.S. Navy applications, uh, but we continue to to talk across um, all branches of the military, especially especially Navy and Army where the qualification process is, is less. Uh, but not only do they want uh, American titanium, if they had cheaper titanium, which is what we can offer as well, um, they would want to use it in more military applications. So this, uh, this area, this critical uh, materials, 
critical metal space is uh, something well known to you, of course, because you were involved in the what's become the uh, Piedmont success, lithium success. Yes. So I was uh, well, I'm the founder of Piedmont Lithium. Uh, great story, great asset, great management team. Keith's doing an amazing job. Pat Brindle, chief operating officer there. I'm still very close, still a shareholder. Uh, chairman Todd Hannigan was on the board with me of Piedmont Lithium. Uh, he recently stepped off this year. Uh, still, I see what Keith is doing out there and, and what the team is doing is, is amazing. But yes, that the Piedmont story and, and setting that up from 2016 uh, really was what got me thinking about critical materials and really opened my eyes to, you know, I had just moved to the United States and it really opened my eyes to a lot of opportunities to reshore these critical minerals in the right way, sustainably and for low cost in America. So it started with Piedmont Lithium and now it's, uh, for me, it's up here in X now. Now, the uh, NASDAQ uh, listing, what was uh, the rationale behind that? It's a good question. It's a similar rationale to what we had with Piedmont. It's a our assets in the, in the United States. We see potentially a lot of government support from the United States. We see most of our customers being here in the United States. And so naturally we see a natural investor base from the US. Uh, and so just like Piedmont, we went through what's called a 20F, just a straight registration of our of ADRs so uh, people could uh, buy the stock uh, or buy the ADRs. And so we did that. And the idea is let's get more uh, American shareholders involved. I've been doing a roadshow this just the last uh, two days. It's been well received in America. We tri- typically trade 10% above the market in America versus Australia. Um, and we trade you know, typically similar volumes to Australia as well. Um, so it's been good. I think naturally there's going to be more of an investor base um, in uh, the US as we as we build the company and as we sign contracts with customers, which we hope to do really soon, um, and as we expand our operations. But I think there's just Australia having a knowledge of metals and mining sector. I think we will always have uh, a good group of Australian investors and there's a lot of Australian investors that are, uh, you know, some of the founders and, and some that are really close to us. So the American story, though, I think having the NASDAQ listing gives us an edge in that it's the widest, deepest capital market, biggest, deepest capital market in the world. And uh, we do things right. And this this could be a very big success story here on the NASDAQ. Now, you mentioned that you've uh, moved to uh, the US. So you want to be up nice and close to the project, obviously, and uh, the ability to uh, talk to some of the key players over there. Uh, I guess that's we have seen many instances on the ASX where companies try and run projects, whether it be the US, Europe or Africa for that matter, from Australia. You uh, obviously prepared to invest the time and make this work by uh, moving over there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I moved over in 2015, Barry, uh, and that's why I focused in on Piedmont. And it makes a big difference. You have to have your – I think I'm a big believer you have to have the management team on the ground and you have to you know, be at it day to day. Um, so that was a big, big reason for the success for Piedmont as well. We were living, breathing it every day. And I think that's going to be a big reason for the success here at Iperion X. We live and breathe it. We've got people in Camden, Tennessee. We've got people live in Camden, Tennessee. Our employees live in Salt Lake City, Utah, where our titanium mineral production is. Um, and I uh, – titanium metal production, sorry. And I travel there often. And I try to split my time across uh, those areas and also in DC and also with our investors. But you have to be boots on the ground to drive these sort of projects forward. They take time. They take not just money. They take a lot of time as well. Well, your project's not uh, the Mineral Sands project, that is. It's not far from Nashville. So you had a chance to get down to uh, Memphis and 
check out Graceland, do a bit of tourism. <laughs> Dollywood and Graceland, yeah, of course. It's a big, you know, that is, you can't, you can't go to uh, Nashville without, without hearing country music and there's quite a bit of country music out where we are as well. Um, and, I'm look, I'm very close with a lot of our landowners and, and some of the people within the state of Tennessee. Uh, you know, I'm close with a few, a few of the key uh, people out there. So, I get to spend a bit of time down there. And it's great. I've got my cowboy hat. I've got my uh, <laughs> my boots and everything. We were actually on uh, NBC4 in Tennessee, so big big news, sort of like Channel 7 or Channel 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a big feature um, uh, two weeks ago on a Wednesday, and we just got so much inbounds from there, and it's really starting to take off. So, it's so yeah, I do spend a lot of time down there, and I do visit the <laughs> – you do have to go past the, <laughs> the, the you know, Greystown and Dollywood. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, now, there's a very strong uh, technology bent to the company, obviously, and when we talk about, um, say, going back to the uh, the Mineral Sands project, you're not just going down the normal uh, uh, pathway to produce, say, synthetic rutile. You, you've got a process that's uh, low carbon um, and which is becoming a bigger issue, I think, the, than most people realise for the mineral sands sector. The world uh, is running short of uh, natural rutile, uh, so synthetic rutile where ilmenite's upgraded, very energy-intensive project. You guys think you have a solution to that? Yes, absolutely, and it's a, it's a good point. So, you know, we have a, a full research team and we partnered with uh, the University of Utah, Dr. Fong's group, which is focused on titanium technologies. And as part of the production to make titanium metal from titanium ores in uh, Tennessee, uh, we we went through a process which inadvertently was upgrading the mineral uh, as as part of the getting into the metals processing, um, and we really quickly realised that that was a potential alternative to the high carbon, highly energy intensive current upgrading processes for synthetic rutile, but also for slag, titanium slag, which is made in South Africa, in Canada, in uh, in Norway, um, and again carbon intensive because you use carbon. Uh, graphite electrode so um when we saw that and with our and today there is a major focus across all industries uh paint and pigment industry included for decarbonization of the raw material supply chain so we realize and with our discussions we have an mo with Comores and our discussions with uh with the industry we realize this is a real real asset to have so we patented the ip because it is part of our process it's one of our many patents that we have um, and we developed uh, small-scale production in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're going to upgrade that a bit more, but we've received immense um, interest from the industry. We've actually tested it already with some of the customers out there, and it performs extremely well um, for paint and pigment product. Uh, but not only that, it upgrades our ilmenite, so you know, adds value, but it just adds that premium of it's a sustainable, it's a green product, which – especially now that the Inflation Reduction Act that uh, the president just signed into law uh, yesterday, um, especially now that's going to be a big focus on uh, a lot of these reshoring critical material supply chains in the US, but reshoring them sustainably. So that that just adds to our technology aspect, our disruptive aspect, but also our, our, our focus on sustainability of these supply chains as well. And you don't seem to be uh, stopping on the technology front. Just this week, there was an announcement around a low-carbon uh, titanium enrichment process. Yeah, so that's that's the synthetic rutile. Um, so uh, we call it an enrichment process or in synthetic rutile just because um, 
it's different. It actually it's it's somewhere between a synthetic rutile and a slag uh, because it is quite dense. Uh, we we do agglomerate the particles as we do it, so it's more like a pellet feed, um, and we we can really uh, tailor the particle size distribution there as well. While we're um, while we're also upgrading the product, so we call it enrichment or synthetic rutile. Uh, it's a it's an amazing process, but we have a lot a lot more co- to come on the titanium technologies front, uh, and we hope to update the market really soon on some great uh, great work the team is doing in Utah. Well, it might be worth just finishing up with a bit of discussion about the titanium metal market. Quite small when you compare it to say uh, aluminium and steel, but uh, that's largely a function of uh, the cost of production. It's no good. Uh, well, the to grow the industry, the titanium metal industry, it needs lower cost production. Is that is that a focus of where you guys are going? Yeah, so we think that this process is akin to the processes in the steel and aluminum sector back in the late 1800s. Um, Bessemer uh, moment, uh, the Bessemer converter, allowed steel to become cheap. Um, the Hohoru process allowed aluminum to become cheap. Aluminum used to be served knives and forks of made out of aluminum were served to napoleon's guests back in the you know back 200 plus years ago uh and then Hohuri came along developed this process and all of a sudden it's cheaper we see the same thing happening here with what dr fung has developed we call it the ham process hydrogen assisted magnesiothermal reduction it allows titanium to be made lower cost but also more sustainably and so we that's what we're scaling today and we hope to we make titanium metal powders today at a small scale, uh, and we use those powders to make titanium metal parts for customers, prototype parts, and we hope to announce some major customer relationships really soon um, with some large brands out there. But then um, we will scale that business in the short term, uh, and that's a modular, low-capital um, scale-up uh, that we will be talking about a lot more in the coming months. Uh, but we see this as the that best mole hall moment. And, you know, I would encourage people to also go and read a, um, uh, an article written in Forbes by uh, Willie Shee, an American economist. He's also uh, one of the senior professors at Harvard Business School uh, teaching process innovation manufacturing. Uh, and he wrote uh, about us in Forbes about three or four weeks ago, and he called this himself the Bessemer moment. Um, and he read a good article on it. So we see it as that. We've got we to gotta sign the customers. We've got to scale up. But... Um, uh, the success of our company would mean a complete disruption of uh, over the longer term of particularly stainless steel uh, and aluminum. Stainless steel because we use stainless steel because we want something strong, but we also want something that's corrosion resistant. And titanium and its alloys are stronger, more corrosion resistant, and 45% lighter. Uh, yeah, it gets down to the cost at this stage. Okay. Absolutely. Right. I know, Tazo, that you've embedded yourself in the US there. You're calling aluminium aluminum. Very good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. After seven years here, right? Yeah, somebody said aluminium. And I was like, that's a weird way to say Oh, that's right. (laughs) Transatlantic version. Um, That uh, Forbes article you mentioned, is that available on the website at all? Uh, Yes, I believe if you – I don't think it's behind the paywall anymore. It's just if – People type in Hyperion X in Google and Forbes. Let me see what comes up. Yeah, come, that comes up first. June, July 10th, 2022, Manufacturing Process Innovation of Bessemer Moment for Titanium. Okay. So let's uh, bring it uh, all together now. What uh, should investors be looking out for in terms of 
uh, milestones, key announcements uh, before the year's out, say? Yeah, before the year's out, we've got a lot going on. Uh, we continue to make a lot of progress on the Titan project. We're really focused on optimization of the scoping study before we move into pre-fees and starting the permitting process. So there's some uh, some a lot of good announcements there. Continuing to add value, I think, over the long term, that's good. Uh, we will be uh, making some updates around our titanium technologies and our titanium metal manufacturing. So, you know, where we're going to locate the new, what we call our titanium demonstration facility, the scale up of our manufacturing titanium metal powders. Um, and so there's going to be some more details there. But I think what's really exciting is, is I hope to announce our first few customers or first few strategic customers or strategic partners that will use the titanium metal. And uh, here we're, we're targeting, you know, big name brands in, in industries which have wanted to use titanium traditionally, but have not been able to because it's too high cost. And so now with our source being more sustainable, being lower cost uh, and being made in America is an opportunity for them to now use titanium metal in their products made in America a lot more. So um, that's a big one. Um, I think that will, that will really drive a lot of interest in Australia, but you will drive a significant amount of interest uh, here in the States. Tarzo, you've outlined a very interesting story there. We'll be watching with interest and uh, good luck with it all. I appreciate being back on, Barry. We'll keep everyone up to speed. Excellent. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.